Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads, A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 189, Victorian One in A Dance with Dragons. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Yes, it is Victorian One, but also in a way kind of Victorian Two, if you think, you know, it's it's a little of both, just like how all these ships are like multiple things and, you know. It gets me confused every time. Every time Nuance. I gotta think about it, I'm like, wait, <laughs> this isn't really Victorian one, but it kind of is, but it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's the end of Victorian for now, question mark? Ish. Ish. This Ish. was a, a quick little hit and run, huh? That is kind of what they do, but not really, right? Because they also take, you know, their ship jacking over here. A lot of hit and runs on them ships. Yes. Today we are going to say so long and farewell to our good buddy Victorian. Uh, It was nice getting to know you for a brief stint. Don't want to see you for a couple years, so we'll come back to you, buddy. But it's not the end of Victorian. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. It's not. It's not. Honestly, I actually did find myself enjoying this read-through, which really surprised me, you know. Love that for me. But also... Yes, if you want just a little bit, just a teensy more bit of Victorian as a treat, you can get that on our Patreon, where we are covering Tiwow Wins, Sample Chapter Victorian 1, for patrons in the Stranger Tearing Above. Yeah, that's over at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where you will get a bonus episode just for you in the Stranger Tear and above over there. So make sure you subscribe to that feed and check out. I mean, we've got like 50 something episodes. There's a backlog of episodes. So if you just can't get enough, that's your next step. And we will chat about the partial Victorian chapter from The Winds of Winter. It's uh, it's definitely missing some stuff, we think. But we will chat on that there. And that isn't the only thing that we have. For patrons, if you're a patron in the Thunder tier and above, you have a few other perks like early access or early POV reveals. Yes, that's right. You will be hearing this in the past, patrons listening to this episode, because you will already know about that POV reveal. And we also do some fun things at our private Discord for those Thunder tier and above patrons. Lots of fun little events, rewatches. Uh, chats, hangouts, and uh, Discord brunch and happy hour, a monthly event that we will be announcing for you in the next week or two for our next brunch. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, getting glimpses into the future, seeing a little bit, some some prophetic stuff, which leads us into what is our next POV? Well, the next POV is Sailor Moon. Oh my gosh! Uh, well, actually, actually, kind of in a way works, that yeah. that does that does have actually a lot of yeah that does have a lot of time travel going on ish or seeing to the future. Yeah, we're doing a little prophecy over there with our Sailor Moon episodes coming out once a month, end of the month on Sailor Moon Crystal. This month we're gonna have a guest. I'm so excited for that guest. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah, Chica yes. is joining us, uh, and if you are listening to Hot D podcasts at all, you may have checked out Chica guesting on the Castle Black podcasts and live streams over on YouTube. I caught a bunch of those. 
Yes, I'm really excited to have Chika from Shoujo Sunday join because Chika is an expert yes. on on shoujo manga, shoujo anime as well, but just in general. So I Is it kind of cheap that we're doing this to her? Like she is a real expert. Like she covers obscure and like lesser stuff, stuff that you know, I mean, she covers the classics too, but is this like asking someone to come on and do Game of Thrones? You know no, I, I mean, mean, I know some. I know some of the things. She, I I know some of the things she's talking about because it, you might not know this, Chloe, but I. Oh my god, you're the biggest nerd. I'm a big loser. <laughs> well, not not nerd. Chica's very cool somehow, despite like being into all this. Please fix whatever I just said. Yes, I am a giant nerd. <laughs> this is actually probably to the surprise of no one, but yeah, I remember like. Uh, Chica and I talking about. It. I was getting some recommendations from her because there are some overlaps in like some of the series that we have been into. It is my, uh, I love. Well, they're covering Oran High School, I think, or just wrapped that up. But at the same time, I never watched that anime. I did read the manga for a while, but I never finished. But also, I want to say Shoujo Sunday has the best. Have you listened? Have you listened to their intro song I yet? I have listened. Yes. It's very catchy. It's the best. It's the best intro song. It's no offense to any of you all no out offense, there listening. Anton, cup of coffee. <laughs> oh yeah. Do, 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 do. That's like number two. Sorry. <laughs> or or any of the other Kevin McLeod ones that we're constantly using in our other stuff. Uh, we should do a cover track of each of these, you know, just really acapella, acapella, an acapella yeah. cover track. We do it for HDM. I think this is the next oh, that's one. That's true. Uh, well, excited to have Chica on. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for that episode to show up in your feed. But I guess we have to reveal the POV, you know, like like you alluded, this POV is also very <laughs> prophetic. A little mystery. There's some magic. You know, I think we felt exploring magic and exploring some of these themes from Victorian were, uh, were still necessary as we stroll on through the story. And I think that, I think we've explored a really deep side of Victorian or shallow side uh, of some of this toxicity he's surrounded by and that yeah. he partakes in, right? So, I mean, Eliana, I think it's only fair to show the other side of that sort of culture. Yeah. Our next POV is none other than the prophet, aka Aaron Greyjoy. Literally one of his uh his POV chapters is called The Prophet. Damp hair himself. Yeah. We I guess this is probably one of the easier picks. You know, we don't like always being basic bitches about it, but uh I think that this was a natural place. Like, you have to have them close enough to one another. These chapters echo so well together. I've been doing a lot of reading of both of them. I don't think it's basic. I think, like, you know, we we do a chapter order that makes sense to us and that also helps us bring out different things in the POVs. And I, I don't know that this would necessarily bring something different, but I do think it is. they go well together, right? They seamlessly go well into one another and really help us analyze these chapters well side by side and also in conjunction with some of the other chapters and you know our our trajectory forward and i can't say much more i'm gonna get a look that says don't say anything else but just trust the process like the big picture right here there's a run that's about to happen that i think is gonna kick ass i think it's just a boom 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 it's gonna be in your face you're all trust the process just just trust us on this one 
Yeah, I just don't think... I think Aaron, like I said, it makes sense after and don't overthink it. Yeah. Don't overthink <laughs> it. Sorry. Not to be mean, y'all. <laughs> Wait, are you saying it ain't that deep? Um, It depends on if we're talking about Victorian or Aaron and what aspects of their character. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be talking about Aaron, like we said, so... Uh, TBA when you'll expect that one in your feed but you'll hear from us on it soon yes uh, yes this one may we are we are still figuring out some of our schedule and that release date but you know keep your eyes peeled drink some shade of the evening maybe you'll find out you know when uh go go dose yourself what's wrong God. with you <laughs> so much so much well I'm excited for Aaron that'll be a quick me too I really jump am. in the water you know Put our toes in. And, the, and that means we'll eventually get to talk about, of course, The Forsaken, which, again, everyone, I was there for that. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Well, until then, we did, as we're outroing Victorian today, we did get a lot of great comments, reviews, messages, emails, all about Victorian or different things about, you know, about these chapters. So we want to highlight some of the fun ones we got in the last couple weeks, starting with Thunderclap. One of our good friends said gun whales and roses about, uh, is that the reaver? Was that in response to the reaver or the suitor? Uh, I I want to say the suitor, but I'm sorry. I don't remember. I didn't grab the date, but I just thought it was fun. I It really so tickled fun. me. <laughs> we love it. I love it. I do love it. Oh, wait, it, it must have been, um, it must have been for the reaver, right? With the, yeah, the big Lord Sari or Sir Sari. My bad. Well, this one actually predates Victorian, I think, a little, but I just thought it was fun, and I wanted to acknowledge this this Apple Podcasts comment, this Apple Podcast review from Silverwing Flyer. It's entitled "Longtime Listener." It says, "Fun podcast. Appreciate the so very sullied, a song of ice and fire. Especially loved the coverage on Philip Pullman books that they also did. So thank you so much, Silverwing Flyer, longtime listener." Yes, thank you so much. I, I like our Philip Pullman coverage, too. I think about it a lot. I kind of wonder if this is like in reaction to the our very sullied, you know, especially during Hot D, right? Like we were, we had the very sullied D. That D was out. We whipped mm -hmm, the D, D out. Every, mm -hmm. every Monday, you and I would record and whip the D out every time. Okay, we got a comment from... She's Peg Bundy, who said, I think a Barristan redo is a great idea, but still two chapters in Ep, maybe? Also, I get so sad every time you talk about redoing Sansa, because I know you're joking, but I want it. We know. We do also want it, but, you know, love is the death of duty. <laughs> duty is the death of honor. Yes. Honor is a horse, so... Honor is a horse. <laughs> so, in response to last episode... I love this this tweet that we got from Sabrina McLean, uh, aka Briny McLean on Twitter, that says the part where Victorian said he had to kill his wife or people would have laughed at him reminded me of Theon saying something similar about the Miller's boys in the Ghost of Winterfell. I love so this. insightful. That's so yes. great. It shows a lot about that kind of being ingrained in those characters. Yeah, and, and I th I just thought it was like such a great parallel of like these these like really deep-seated and internalized ideas about performance of masculinity and power that even Theon, who hasn't been an Ironborn in a while, like, has, but also 
maybe it comes to him from northern culture as well, but he's performing it to an extent for the other Ironborn. So I thought that was so good. We grabbed an email from our friend Leslie, who said, longtime listener, first time caller, and is emailing in after one of the last Victorian episodes. They have been consuming a lot of succession content lately. Same. Same Z's. <laughs> and they pointed out that when we made the argument, Victorian's not actually that stupid, like as stupid as he's perceived. Leslie said that it made them think of this interview with Matthew McFadden in the old New York Times, where he says Jesse Armstrong had to remind him regarding Tom Lomsgans, great character from Succession. He's running a billion dollar wing of this company. He's not a total moron. So Leslie isn't saying that they're very alike besides the whole bootlicking tendency, but some of those similarities between the Greyjoys and the Roys pop out with family infighting and abuse and trauma. Uh, and then Leslie goes on to ask, who is the Tom Lomsgans of Westeros? Pointing out that Littlefinger has that striving outsider from flyover country energy, but also is a sex pest in a way that Tom really isn't, unless he's worried about your ovaries. Uh, hashtag Shivroy, but uh, talking about, you know, the comparison that Littlefinger was headed for financial crimes and only married Liza for power, where Tom kind of wanted to be in that inner circle of the Roy Empire in a legitimate way through his marriage to Shiv, who he did slash does love, question mark, question mark. <laughs> I do like that. I like, uh, I like the idea of Wamsgans as a Littlefinger. I do think you're right that He's got a little bit of a heart, a country boy heart deep below, right? I think that's really interesting, right? Because you're ta kind of tapping into there that old narrative that George is actually, that George is even drawing off of where Littlefinger's a little bit inspired by the great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. And and so like Tom Wamscan's very, you know, like, like they're supposed to be, you know, American values or whatever, kind of thing over at uh, Waystar Royco and with Tom. So I thought that was really interesting, but also I was just like, oh, what what an interesting email that has been specially made for Chloe. <laughs> I know, usually I'm so excited for you to get uh, your emails, but this one was for me and I loved it. I didn't know I was going to love it. I Yeah, I, I didn't know that such a something. perfect email for you could like exist. And I thought, you know, this was this was really great. Thank you, Leslie. Everyone should just send me succession emails, especially after, um, no spoilers, but especially after the <laughs> thing that happened this week. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll believe that. You're the artist here. All right. And next we have an email once again from our friend Warren, who says, hi, moms. This, this is actually from a few weeks ago during this Victorian stuff of, I can't believe I'm still waiting for Arya. While I wait, I'm looking forward to lots of our flag means death themed jokes as we meet Victorian. I'm sorry, I did not think to to do those. My bad. I I only have watched that series through once. Chloe, I don't remember if you've watched. Chloe, I don't remember if you've watched that yet. Yeah. So and all these pirate jokes. And Warren wanted to share a story from Celtic mythology that we might like to consider as we assess our favorite one armed pirate. And then Warren does raise a good question. Aren't they supposed to be one-legged? Hmm. The story of a seldom-mentioned Twa de Danon god, Nwadu. When the Twa de Danon first came to Ireland, Nwadu was their leader, and he and the Twa de Danon challenged the ruling Fyrbolg. 
In what is known as the First Battle of the Moitora, Nwadu was injured losing his arm. While Nwadu and the Twadidanen are victorious, he is deposed as king due to his disability, deeming him unfit to rule, which is, according to Warren, a little bit harsh, <laughs> and ends up replaced by Brez, who is a cruel, selfish, and thoughtless leader. Nwadu has a silver arm made, so there's some Jamie links there too, he points out, by John Keck. And when Bress is ultimately deposed, he is returned to his leadership role and therefore deemed whole again. Uh, Warren had also mentioned on the Discord, along with our other patron, Brandolin, about Victorian parallels and also included a link to this article that we can share. It's from Wikipedia. thought that was really interesting. I love that. And the one thing I will say is, like, if Euron gets slayed... I don't feel like Victorian will still be alive at that point. I think Victorian will be very long dead before right. Euron dies. Rest in pieces. Maybe literally. Maybe. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I just don't see Victorian making it out of the story alive. That's for sure. I don't see him making it out of Slaver's Bay alive either. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I don't. I don't think the odds are great for him there. But, I mean, he could surprise me. He surprises us. A lot. Besides, actually, to be honest, who had a better story than Victorian Greyjoy? Uh, any of them, even the cook. <laughs> Look at me quoting Stannis. Thanks, Warren. You know, we got to meet that guy. It was kind of cool. He's an yeah. awesome fella. That was a, was oh my a weekend gosh. and a half. It was a great. It was a great meeting. I was very excited. Yeah. Thank you, Warren. Thanks, Warren. We had a, a good, fun time. We hit the city with some. GGC friends on the East Coast and uh, got to meet a handful of you and had a really, really good time. And I think there's tons more to come of that because I feel like such great, beautiful bonds were made. It was like, I don't know, beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful and shit. Here we are. L let's have a little Storm God. Oh my God. Storm God before we get to the Drowned God, the yeah. Nemeses. The storm brings the drowning. I don't know. I don't know. Let's jump in. Water's warm. Tyrion 11. <laughs> Tyrion talks Brown Ben Plum into letting them join the second sons over a game of Sivas. John 12. Free folk pass through the wall and Hardhome seeks help. The discarded knight. Barristan holds down the fort at court and counsels the Dornish men to leave in the face of an alleged poisoning at the fighting pits. Alleged. Quote unquote. <laughs> the spurned suitor. The Dornish men meet the tattered prince and crew who demands... Pentos as his prize for helping them steal a dragon. The Griffin Reborn. John Connington lives! And within him lives <laughs> vengeance. He lives! <laughs> the Sacrifice. Things are hashtag bad in Stannis' camp, but a couple of familiar faces arrive at camp. That wades us into the waters of Victorian One in a dance with dragons, where Makoro's presence is off-putting to the Ironborn. Victorian continues to sail for Marine, finding new ships to covet and other treasures along the way. So- Like a dinglehopper. Oh my god! Like- they find their prey between the Isle of Cedars and the Astapori hinterlands, per Makoro's direction. Longwater Pike yells down Giscari, and Victorian watches them grow in the water. A training galley, a big one. 
She would make a fine prize when they boarded and took her. I thought it was really interesting how we go from these ships that they take being like prey and then becoming prizes throughout the chapter, that that transformation, but also that hunting language and then suddenly, you know, the, the, yeah, prize language. You know what it reminds me of? My cats. I'm not kidding. It's like when cats hunt toys but at the end of the day it's just toys like or like that famous line of you know the dog chasing his own tail but what's he gonna do when he catches it he usually lets it go and or he's like surprised he's like oh my Mm -hmm. god my tail it's me your prey should be your kill but you're keeping it as a trophy what does that say yeah and it's also not like they're even getting more men that was also (laughs) part of the problem right of losing all those ships i mean they are and they aren't they're all like (laughs) welcome congratulations you're free you're rowing for me now and i'm like anyway we'll get there's no loyalty there we'll get back to that yeah lamentation comes alongside the prey splintering her oars and the monkeys oh yes the monkeys are here chattering in the ruins of kosai as the dawn began to wash over the broken pyramids when the captain is delivered in chains to victorian he tells him that the ship's name is Giscari Dawn, out of New Geese, returning there by way of Yunkai and trading at Marine. The captain only spoke a guttural Giscari, which Victorian thinks is ugly. Makoro translates his words, and they learn that the war for Marine was won, and the Dragon Queen was dead, allegedly, and a Giscari man named His Doc now ruled. I found it interesting how he calls him His Doc instead of His Dar. Maybe it's like a common, maybe he just misheard it. I don't know, is that just a throwaway or or what from this Giscari man? I assumed it was like, now that you say, if that's what he actually heard from the from that man, I can't tell if it's like Victorian being racist and mishearing it. Also, especially because it's mm. only one name and we know that they have like multiple, like they usually say them with like the whole name or something, mm-hmm. right? That or is it like a, a like telephone thing, you know, game of telephone mm-hmm. where the name gets mangled. That's kind of what I was wondering. And down it the could rumor be. Mill. Yeah. It could be intentional or it could be completely whatever. Telephone. Huh. Nasdaq. Nasdaq. <laughs> Aflac. Uh, Victorian had his tongue ripped out for lying and threw the man overboard. Makoro assured him that Daenerys was alive, seen in the flames of Relore. He was a sacrifice to the drowned god. He promised Makoro, though, that the red god will have his due. Makoro tells him there are no other gods but R'hllor and the other whose name can't be said. Interesting that the the last Ironborn chapters are all really dominated by R'hllor in this book, right? Theon and Asha in Stannis' camp and here with Victarion. That is a good point. There is a lot of R'hllor in those. Um, Yeah, and Stannis actually comes up in this chapter too. So that's a great point, especially because I guess Stannis is like a decent naval captain. Maybe that's not the right term. Captain, I'm not a fucking military whatever. Also that I've never considered this. Does Makoro, like, do the Red Priests know the name of the Great Other? They just say like whose name can't be said, but like, do they, do they know it? Is it like part of their teachings? I assume because they refuse to say it, they know it. But now that you've put it out there, I mean, do they know it? I always kind of thought that they didn't know it. But now that he says it like this, I'm like, maybe they know it. (laughs) I feel like, and maybe when we reread Melisandre's chapter someday, someday, uh, but maybe when we reread it, we'll think differently. But to me, I think it definitely seem to fall into that category of like erasing the actual name of it takes the fear out of it even though it doesn't really i don't know i don't know 
Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. The things I wonder late at night, that will be something I will think about. Yeah. Well, Makor has entered a new phase of his goth era. He's now dressed in all black with golden thread on his cuffs and collars. There is no red cloth on the Iron Victory, but he couldn't just keep wearing his salt-stained rags. So Victorian commanded Tom Tidewood to see to sew new robes for him. And Victorian even donates his own tunics. He's so generous. He's so giving. <laughs> There's a lot to explore right here. First of all, interesting that Victorian is so motivated by having Makoro assimilate and having people accept him, especially because it's mm. kind of an extension of himself, right? By giving him these tunics, it's in hope that he will put part imbue part of his rulership and leadership into this man's kind of, you know, display to his boat and that they will respect both him and Makoro. And they do neither, <laughs> but we'll come back to that. There's also something really interesting uh, even exploring some of that gender dynamic for the Ironborn, that here, sewing is seen, like, as a fine thing. It's not a problem. Like, he has someone that knows how to sew on board, and he requires it. In fact, it kind of seems like throughout the story, uh, we see sailors specifically having somewhat basic sewing skills in order to, you know, survive on the sea where they can't just get a new wardrobe. Uh, even, obviously he's young, but like John in A Game of Thrones looks down on sewing as something that only girls do. Uh, and we even see like warriors and young Kai with copper discs sewn on their dyed cloaks. Uh, it, it just seems some other cultures do value sewing and value the importance of having clothes that aren't like rotting from the sea and maybe going to give you like a fungal infection. <laughs> Like they they put value on that. Yeah, that's a that's a great call. And it kind of makes sense because not only do, would they need to know it for clothes, because I mean, if you're only ever getting clothes off of your slain foes, then you have to tailor that. If you want to look very fashionably, like you have to tailor that. And and sales. Yeah, you know, you want to look very fit and fine when you pay only the iron price for everything. But exactly, sales is a big part, exactly. Like, they, I mean, no they sales, get torn. No sales, no wind. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably, I think that's literally actually the biggest part, the sales. So, but, and by sales, we don't mean a sale on these great new oh uh, tailored men's clothing. We mean the stuff on boats. Yes, yes. Victorian hopes that they'll accept Makoro if he's in the Greyjoy colors. But now he just looks more sinister than ever, and everyone starts to shun him more. Even the Vole had asked Victorian to give him to the waves. We have a passage. But Makoro knew these strange shores in ways that the Ironborn did not, and secrets of the dragon kind as well. The crow's eye keeps wizards, why shouldn't I? His black sorcerer was more puissant than all of Euron's three, even if you threw them in a pot and boiled them down to one. The damp hair might disapprove, but Aaron and his pieties were far away. So Victorian closed his burned hand into a mighty fist and said, Giscari Don is no fit name for a ship of the Iron Fleet. For you, wizard, I shall rename her Red God's Wrath. His wizard bowed his head, as the captain says. So I, I just find this really interesting uh, seeing, as you said, right, Makoro is like an extension of him and and how Victorian's really like 
very invested in having Makoro around. Maybe because Makoro's saved his life. But now I'm like, is Makoro controlling him? Anyways. Um, now, but also I'm kind of like, I love that Makoro just does not give a shit. He's like, as my captain says, you know, he's like, I don't care that you need this boat after me. But it's also kind of a Kyburn-esque relationship here, too, with Ikarian and Makoro. There, there seems to, I mean, Makoro is getting a free ride and free clothes out of this, and he's not dead yet. And <sighs> I don't think he could be. That's interesting. Unless interesting. you really, unless you really, really try, you know, like with Beric. Did you really try? Uh, Victorian has shown that he is like easily pliable. Mikoro has already yeah. seen that. You can see that Mikoro speaks to his pride constantly in the things he says in this chapter. Speaks to, you know, things happening because of Victarian, not because of other things. And that Victarian's the chosen one. Definitely some Mel Stannis and some Kyburn, uh, Kyburn uh, Cersei shit even going on here a little bit. Exactly. Very interesting. Okay, is this because, can someone like enlighten me and maybe Chloe? Like, is this a middle child thing? Is that why it's like working on Victarian so much? Hmm. Because Stannis is middle child. So, I don't know. I don't know. That's it. You and I. Hmm, interesting. Middle child. (laughs) Yeah, I just don't understand it. No. No. So that's why we're we're putting it to you, the audience. <laughs> anyway, we're back to the numbers game. The Iron Fleet has grown to 54. Good job, team. The next day, the storms that Makoro had predicted come. What a wonderful meteorologist. Oh my god, give Makoro a job here. Uh, and they lose three more ships. Victorian is confident that if they float, they will meet again. And Makoro had assured him that their ships were not lost. We know that we refined these ships in a little bit, but I do have to say, I would be so, like, every word Makoro said, I would be like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Because this guy is vague as a motherfucker, and he's like, you'll meet again. What kind of vague shit is that? Like, if they're alive, do we necessarily want to meet again? What's, what, are they, what state will these people slash ships be in? I don't know. Victorian's, like, way too easy to trust and... I, I would have questioned a lot of that, but he just says, yes, good. My fire's good, good, good. I actually see that as a positive about Makoro in that he says, I think that's mostly all Makoro knows. He's like, yeah, you're going to see each other again. He doesn't embellish upon it and try to make assumptions in the way that Melisandre does, right? She, Melisandre oh, would have like told John, like, you're definitely going to like, you know, see these ships again and get, have victory or whatever, right? They or like I saw three ships, they must be yours. In the way that he she does when she's like, "Who else could the girl on the dying horse be? Right. That must be Arya coming here." And Makoro's like, "You know, I literally don't know what's going on with the ships, but you're going to see them again." He just tells what he sees and then that way he can't he can't be wrong, you know? You can't hold it against him when he goes too far. And see, that's the problem is I as a crazy ruler, would like to be able to hold someone else accountable for the consequences of my actions. So, with that said, I choose Melisandre as my red priest. Interesting. Interesting. I, I think I choose none of them, but Makoro, again, seems like a way more dependable meteorologist. So, I mean, I might do it for that. What should I wear tomorrow, Makoro? It's gonna snow. <laughs> 
Uh, and then you just have to like critical think from there. And that's a lot for me is all I'm saying. Like, good for you, Eliana. I'm just cutting that shit out. I wouldn't ask him anything else. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, I also want to add, he throws people overboard, you know, for the drowned god. And then he names (laughs) the ship. You're going to say for the fun. (laughs) That too, for fun. Uh, But then he names the ship for the red god. And it just makes me wonder, like, isn't that a little sacrilege? You know? I think that is only one, like, the least of the many sacrilegious things that happen in this chapter. Well, it's just me, because I feel like everything he does cancels shit out, right? Like, I don't know. Don't Aren't gods, like, prideful and shit about being your, their number one? Like, isn't this smiting? Isn't this, like, flipping them off by being like, ah, oh, I have seven religions now? Yeah, uh, it, it actually makes me think a lot of, like... Though they are on different sides of the wisdom spectrum, it makes me think a lot of, like, King Solomon, who was supposed to be, you know, really all about that that one single god, and then was like, you know what, let me just make a- I'll, I'll sponsor, you know, we can have a bunch of other temples here, and, and allowing idolatry uh, sort of to appease his wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly that, and, like- the idea that you could just buy off the gods by a sacrifice to one of them whenever you feel like it. Doesn't yeah. that make you unserious as a worshipper? Like, doesn't that, I don't know. Like, I mean, he is a little unserious. <laughs> you know, well, he is. Yeah, okay, let's be for fucking real, Victorian. You're right. But, but, but at the same time, I get it, right? Because he strongly believes in, of course, the drowned god because that's the dogma that he's been raised in. But at the same time, I feel like as it is for a lot of the the people that we see, right? For example, the Brotherhood Without Banners. You're going to fucking follow and believe the guy who saved your hand that is now stronger than ever and on fire yet somehow usable. Well, and I guess coming back to like Stannis, right? What what does he say about trying a different bird? Trying Red Rally? That's true. Yeah, it's kind of that moment, I guess. It's just interesting to me. Very interesting. That's all. That's all. Yeah. That's all. It isn't. There's a lot. There's That's a thing. Victorian chapters, surprisingly interesting. And, like, few of them, which rocks, because then it doesn't get dragged out. It's like the perfect that's true. punch. You know what I mean? Like, you have just enough of Victorian. You don't get sick of him. You're like, all right, that was good enough. It's over now. Thanks, Victorian, for all that interesting shit. I can't wait to think about it. <laughs> it's funny, because I... I do, I think, feel sick of his... I felt sick of his chapters when, like, it was my first read-through. You know, and like reading through them, I'm like, ugh, I don't want this chapter. I want a different chapter. Yeah. Anyway. But now it's like, yeah, now I'm together, especially. I think they read really well. Yeah. All is yeah. Agreed. One block. One block. An interesting mini story. And maybe that's why I'm liking the George novellas that we've been reading. Right. Like, oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. we read Great some point. of these chapters that way. Great point. Thank you. Thank you. Each night, the sorcerer priest lit a fire and would stalk the flames, and sometimes Victorian thought the flames were dancing on his face, on his tattoo, too. Victorian, I think they are. I think they are, too. It's kind of some cool optical illusion shit. Yeah. I, I, I want a gif of that. Woo. That would have been some Rorschach cinematic. Shit. Oh, my Ooh, God. yeah, that, too. If only yeah, someone yeah. had adapted this. Holy fuck. <sighs> yeah, I agree. If only, you know, it's it's really cool that George thought about this um, after, you know, and thought to add this into the story after it was on TV. 
Victorian keeps drowning people who speak out against Makoro. It's starting to cause a little tension back at the old boat. Makoro tells him that his lost ships are coming back off the Isle of Yaros. He calls them lost lambs. And Victorian's like, well, they fucking better. Because my people <laughs> want me to kill you. So you better hope that you're right. The Iron Victory takes another ship northwest of Astapor, a Mirish cog named Dove that was making its way to Yunkai with carpets, sweet green wines, and Mirish lace. Her captain also had a Mirish eye, two lenses in a series of brass tubes, and Victorian takes this. Of course, I'm sure he has no clue how great of an object it is. I'm over here like, this is a great wonder you have come upon, Victorian. I think he knows. That's why he took it. He's like, whoa, this is actually, like, super useful. <laughs> Just, like, burning ants He's with like, it. Well, well, wouldn't he use it? It's a, it's like a telescope, right? Yeah. That's why I don't think he's 100% Seem, seems sure very, what he can do. I think, I don't know. Seems useful for a captain. Maybe. Maybe. He renames the cog Shrike and decides to take her crew for ransom. Neither slaves nor slavers, but a third secret thing. Free mere men and sailors. They would be good coin. Wait, but if they're free, how are they coin? Can we just... Hmm. I know ransoming is considered different, but there are other moments in this chapter where I'm like, this is not This is not a different thing, dude. This yeah. is not a different thing. I will say, every time Shrike comes out, this is a total non sequitur. I think of like that one season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the next... Um, you have you have this ship, right? It's named Dove, which, as you all know, is a borb. And then it becomes a shrike, which is another bird, which is also known as the butcher bird. So I thought that was kind of fun to go from, like, how it goes from, like, a peaceful bird to, I don't know, murderous one. <laughs> but also, the way all of these ships get new names and are transforming, it... it Becoming something else as Victorian takes them, I thought was really fun with some of the things that we see are going on in the story, like how Victorian's hand transforms, but also how we're seeing a lot of these other chapters, these characters that we know, their POV chapters and names transforming as well. Actually, that is weird that this one's the first Victorian now that I think about it. He's transformed from those things into himself finally as he takes his destiny Whoa. into his hand, into his rocket. Oh, hand. it's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, wow. I'm serious, though, when I say that. That's what I think. No, I, I really know. think, like, especially last chapter, at the end of the chapter, he chose to break those shackles off of him. Those tentacles ain't no tentacles on me, you know? Yeah, he's finally doing kind of what he wants, right? Now kind that he's of. far away. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And then also, whereas you have the other POV characters, right? Like Theon, who's been Reek for a while and then you know the ghost at Winterfell he's about to become Theon again in like two seconds because we're in dance but or like his niece being the sacrifice you know going from Asha to the sacrifice yes the wayward bride all of Different these names. uh transforming chapter titles I love that yeah but and, boats and it even has some harpy-esque qualities to the idea right of the oh, actual bird of the shrike it's almost similar to mythology oh does it yeah, I don't know ways. much about the Shrike. That makes sense. That explains why they might have chosen that bird for that season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, there you go. There we oh. go. So, they don't have any news from this boat, so he asks Makoro what he sees, and he wonders aloud if there's more weight more rain because it smells like it but Mokoro says gray skies and strong winds behind come the tigers ahead waits your dragon Victorian likes the sound of that <laughs> 
So, of course, he's saying behind come the tigers, which is probably the tigers from Volantis, I think. Yeah. Right? That's what we're yep. referring to here. Ahead waits your dragon. Uh, uh-oh. I, I don't know. Ahead waits your dragon. That could be any of the dragons. This doesn't bode so well. I'm telling you. That could mean anything. Those pigs yeah. are going to get roasted, and so is he. Oh, delicious. Even the way that Victorian like, likes what he says, like... There's definitely something here that reminds me of psychics telling people what they want to hear and people believing it, right? That's a very common, uh, a lot of people find themselves, you know, some psychics are not actually powerful and gifted, and they just, like, Google some shit about you before you come for your psychic thing, and they're like, ah, yes, I'm sensing, is there someone new in your life? And it's like your last 10 Instagram posts were pictures of your date, you know? I don't know, there's something like that here for Victorian going on with Makoro, because Victorian's like, oh, there's going to be rain, I can smell it, and he's relying on his physical lived memories and experience to be like, ah, the rain's coming, this is what it's like, and Makoro's like, no, no, close, gray skies and strong winds. It's very interesting. Yeah, and because Makoro knows, like, the climate here better, Yeah. so... Educated guesses. With the weather, sometimes I'm like, is Makoro predicting it, or is he just... Like I said, a very gifted actual meteorologist. <laughs> and yeah, but some of the things like he's saying, I think they're true, right? He just says kind of like some of the things he sees, he'll pepper it with a little stuff. But then mostly it's really up to Victorian to be like, love that for me. Uh, it's his only friend. So. So. That's actually kind of true and very sad. He had Newt, but then Euron took him. Newt. Newt. <laughs> <laughs> Victorian wants Makoro to tell him something he doesn't know this has become a slumber party I don't know Makoro why don't you oh tell God. me something I don't know Makoro uh, truth or dare truth or dare <laughs> seven minutes in heaven and that's when you put your head underwater and you see the drowned gods watery halls for seven minutes um, lately the crew has been calling Makoro the Black Flame. Stefar Stammerer couldn't pronounce his name, so that's kind of what they started calling him. By any name, the priest had powers. I did think at first, I was like, that's kind of rude of Stefar, and then I realized that maybe Stefar has a stammer, or stutters, and then I was like, oh. Stefar Stammerer, yes. He's, he's the only one who's allowed, I guess. <laughs> Mikoro tells Victorian about the coastline, and where to find two more galleys, so... Yes, this priest is powerful, like, does have powers. That's, that's nice of him to be able to use them a little here. Ralph the Limper sees them all first. The galleys are too fast, so Victorian sends off the fastest ships, the Iron Wing, the Sparrowhawk, and Kraken's Kiss. It lasts the best part of the day, but they're finally taken. Yeah, so the ships have no supplies, but they do have legionaries to replace the people who had died of the pale mare slash bloody flux going over to Marine. And the captains again say that Daenerys is dead. So Victorian immediately beheads them with his axe for that lie. And I just thought it was just really honorable of Victorian, you know, to behead these people and enact justice himself. Um, he's just like Ned and John. For real, for real. So honorable. Uh... He puts the crews to death as well. Very honorable. And then he frees the slaves. They are now free to row for the free. Iron Fleet. What an honor for them. He says, what an honor. 
The Dragon Queen frees slaves, and so do I. Um, hmm. One of these things is not like the other. Just putting that out there, what Daenerys does is still a little different than what he does. Yep. Don't know what else yeah. to tell you on that one. Those are not the same things. These are not the same it, things. It's really not, because it's like, well, where else is, are they going to go, like, on a boat? I'm like, they're literally... They are stuck there. <laughs> you are free to row for us. Uh, bruh. Yeah, it's, uh... It's really weird that he just can't seem to d to differentiate between them, but that's all right. He'll be dead soon uh, enough. I mean, it's just because he thinks he's got the best culture, right? He thinks he's got the best words, <laughs> and that's why he renames the galleys Shrike. Ghost and Shade. Yeah, well, these ones he's renamed to Ghost and to Shade, uh, because again, he's really a, just like John. They are they're so much alike, <laughs> and the names are are inspired so that the ships will haunt the youngish men that's his vision right his idea he tells this idea to the dusky woman after he finishes raping her again and then there's this line that i thought was really weird um because it's in the middle of this paragraph and it can be referring to a couple of things it says they were close now and growing closer every day. And I can't tell, like, is this referring to him, how he perceives his relationship with the Dusky Woman? Or is this referring to how close they are to to Slaver's Bay slash Marine and towards Daenerys? I, I'm unsure. But if it's about his relationship with the Dusky Woman, it makes me think of, like, those studies where, you know, men and women, like, like on straight dates right where men think that a date went really well if like he got to talk a lot especially about himself even if the woman shared nothing about herself though he'll be like yeah i thought that was a really good date and this is just like that i really think it was about the dusky woman but it, it feels unclear right it's unclear and for me it means honestly i think that that could have been edited a little better yeah unless and hear me out on this, is he hoping that it goes for both or doing one size fits all sentence? Because it's like, it could be yeah. both. And it does make me think that perhaps Euron definitely is in the Dusky Woman and he's feeling close to her for like weirder, like it's a weird connection kind of thing. I'm not sure. I'm just not it sure. Could, it could be both about like they're close to the to Marine and he and the dust he thinks that he and the dusky woman are close, but then like I'm not sure I see like the literary benefit mm -hmm. of that ambiguity, right? Like there are some lines where like that ambiguity is great. It is just like when I was confused about the dog being alive or dead. That's all I'm saying. It's Schrodinger's confusing. dog, but dog is alive. Schrodinger's dusky woman ship. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Also alive. Literally just like for that. For now. Weird ambiguous line. Well. He wonders if this is how Aaron feels when serving God, feeling the waves are made for him. He also feels the red god tonight in this Chili's. And uh, it, it's interesting how he's like, the power's coursing through him. He's like, I have a huge boner of being a leader. And... I, I find it really weird he compares it to Aaron, right? Because this is not who Aaron is anymore. Maybe when Aaron was a little wilder before he quit drinking mm. and he found God and all that, but this sounds more like how Euron 
feels with his behaviors, right? Of like taking women against their will, employing wizards, uh, very anti-Aaron things to do. Like right now, his plan is very Euron, even though he thinks he's doing something so great and different and mighty. He's really just measuring success by what Euron would measure success by. That's a really great distinction um, in terms of like how people are approaching this religion, right? Like, or religion in general. Aaron approaches it from the the perspective of I serve God, right? As opposed to this idea of providence in which everything was made for me. God made everything for me. Yeah. 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 I that's a that's a cool distinction there. Yeah, because Aaron's like real granola bar now. You know, he doesn't do any of this shit. Yeah, he's like, I, I love to serve God. He's like, high sparrow but fish. It's actually very much when Cersei Low leaves fish? the high sparrow and she's like, I'm such a fucking good ruler. The first time. Yes. <laughs> Look at me. I That's did so good. Is. There's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between them. They should fuck. Interesting. <laughs> so uh Victorian's arm looks a little bit like chicharrones like it's mm. he says it looks like a uh, crackling pork you mm. know from elbow to fingertips so that's what i think and when he makes a fist the skin sometimes splits and smokes but the arm is stronger than before mm. Yum. and then <laughs> delicious we have i picked a hangnail <laughs> drunk drunk this weekend and it looks just like that just so you know wow amazing we have this line from victorian of Two gods are with me now, he told the dusky woman. No foe can stand before two gods. Then he rolled her on her back and took her once again. And I don't know. I, it's just a horrifying how he just like I don't know, uses this woman emotionally, physically, in every way. And I feel so bad for her. And also she's being skin changed by Euron. I feel, I don't know. Yeah. Even even more exponentially bad for her. Meat house, man. She's nothing but uh, being handled. Ugh. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. The Dusky Woman Meat House Man connection is there for sure. God. Read Meat House Matt. I mean Meat House Man by Joe Magician. <laughs> <laughs> so, just like Mikoro predicted, they find the ships off the coast at Yaros, and he gets a golden torque as a reward. Now Victorian has a choice-ish. Risk going through the straits or take the fleet around the island. He's a little traumatized from the time Stannis kind of beat his ass and took the Iron Fleet from the north and the south, trapping them in the channel between Fair Isle and the mainland, but sailing around would cost them precious time. Then again, shipping might be really heavy in the straits, less yunkish warships until marine. So he does what any good religious person does to decide. What would Euron Greyjoy do? W-W-E-G-D. And then he's like, I'm going to sail the straits. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hilarious. He literally does ask, what would Euron do? Um, as opposed to what would Aaron do? You can really start seeing that flip. And I wonder if Victorian, first of all, Side side thought. I wonder if he takes inspiration from Stannis's um thing during the Greyjoy Rebellion and and like squeezing them in through that strait and how Stannis defeated him for that hammer and anvil thing that Barristan is really jazzed about in that Barristan wins chapter when when the Iron Fleet shows up. It's also what Stannis does at the Blackwater, or tries to do. You know, 
in theory, it was a good idea, but they and did not have the drowned god on his side. Yeah, well, it's because he's like, because he's the storm, maybe because Baratheon. I don't know. Mm, yeah, yeah, and well, then the Tyrells do it to fire. him instead. Yeah, dang, dang, cannot cut catch a break. That man, middle <laughs> children, you know. I don't. Anyways, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. We don't know. We don't. Someone know. tell us. What we do know, so I feel like, you know, we're talking about how Victorian is becoming more and more like Euron, whether or not he realizes it. He's trying to emulate Euron's thought patterns and what he would do, um, even if he doesn't always realize it. Here he explicitly does, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, Cersei in trying to emulate a ruler or what she thinks ruling is and kind of mimicking even some of Robert's behaviors with all this this drinking and not really ruling and some of um, the stuff with Tana or even like also Tyrion becoming more and more like Tywin and thinking like, what would Tywin do with all of these wells? You know, T Tyrion becoming more like his abuser and, and that repetition of cycles with... And Victorian is kind of doing that. It's He's like seeking to defeat Euron by becoming more and more like Euron, and he's losing himself as he's losing his hand. Oh, I'm just about to talk about all the Lannisters, apparently. And just like Jamie's story, right? He loses a hand, which ends up losing a part of his identity. And that, for him, this was probably good. Psychologically, it makes him, you know, it, it was a part of him. He's losing that Kingslayer more of aspect of his identity, whereas for Victorian, he's really shedding that ironclad adherence to the ironborn structure, not just by taking on a wizard, but, you know, he's taking on men in his crew from Essos, just like Euron. He's using magic and sacrificing to foreign gods, just like Euron. And it all starts with him deciding to be like, I'm going to want what Euron wants now, uh, which is Daenerys and dragons, but mostly... <laughs> Daenerys. He, he's like, I don't know, dragons could... I don't even think he's thinking about dragons. There's almost like a nice guy quality to it. Like, I've been the nice guy for too long, he thinks. That's kind of funny to say about Oh my Victorian. god. Uh, he's relatively... You're right, though. In, in Greyjoy household, he's been the nice guy. And it, it's almost like one of those kind of nice guys, TM, that's like, I've been the nice guy for too long, and now I'm gonna start winning by being like the, the bad, not nice guys. That's really what he's doing. But he actually literally is like that, right? That's that's his yeah. thought process around, like, especially his his salt wife that he murdered because he's like, I was such a nice guy and I loved her so much and my brother, the Chad, took her and so I had to kill her, which talks a lot about, like, you know, the violent misogyny around, like, that incel nice guy mindset. Yeah, and that competition, right, of winning. yeah. Yeah, and that he's, I mean, he's really not that nice. He's, he really thinks that he is because he's like, I'm so nice. I freed all these people. I'm like, you didn't. Yeah, and it comes back to that prize versus prey mentality that we talked about at the top, right? Of like, mm. he's now living in a society where he's looking at things like they're prey, but then he's also looking at them like they're prizes. Yeah. It, there's like no society around too. I mean, there's kind of the other Ironborn, but he has like all this power here. So... He's just kind of, as you said, unleashed. Victorian, unleashed. Oof. Unleash the V. Oh, I don't want that series, I think. <laughs> it's too late. We're well, finishing we, it I today. Mean, 
You're ah, right. This uh-huh. is the series. Oh Finishing my it. god. Finishing it. Oh. Sexually. I don't want to. They take three more prizes before Yaros is gone from their site, ending up packed with trade goods, wine, silks, spices, rare woods, and scents, but the chips are the biggest prize. They catch a fishing catch, but it takes two ships to bring fishermen to heel, and finally, they get some truth about Daenerys. She's gone, flown away on her black dragon beyond the Dothraki Sea. Victarion asks where it is so he can sail it, only to be mocked because it is grass. There's no sailing on grass. That is the joke. So he strangles and slams the youngish man to death. Normal reaction. And then he has Longwater, Pike, and Tom Tidewood throw the youngish man over as an offering to the drowned god. First, I wanted to say that the Yaro's name kind of just makes me laugh because it makes me think of Yara, Yara Greyjoy. That's that. That's mostly what I had to say, but also you're welcome. And yeah, he, he hates being mocked and laughed at. Again, kind of reminds me a little of Tywin. Yeah, can't abide laughter. Mm-mm. Pride. So then we have this exchange between Makoro and Victorian of Your drowned god is a demon. The black priest Makoro said afterward, He is no more than the thrall of the other, the dark god whose name must not be spoken. Take care, priest, Victorian warned him. There are godly men aboard this ship who would tear out your tongue for speaking such blasphemies. Your red god will have his due. I swear it. My word is iron. Ask any of the men. The black priest bowed his head. There is no need. The Lord of Light has shown me your worth, Lord Captain. Every night in my fires, I glimpse the glory that awaits you. Those words pleased Victorian Greyjoy mightily, as he told the dusky woman that night. My brother Balin was a great man, he said. But I shall do what he could not. The Iron Islands shall be free again, and the old way will return. Even Dagon could not do that. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to kick it back to Chloe for a second. You know, sometimes that voice takes over, and that's just yeah, that's who yeah. I am. You're being skin. Ch- you're being skin changed. Oh my god! I'm finishing the episode in the Victorian voice. Ready? Oh yeah. god! I like what Makoro's saying here, and it comes back to some of the things that we read from Mel in the series. Right? That that the gods, the gods are battling above. Right, they uh, mm. they're battling a different battle outside of what these people are battling below them, and it reminds me a little bit of American Gods, if y'all have read it or watched season one and quit in season two. Uh, read it though if you haven't. It's a great, great, great read, and it's a pretty swift read in my opinion. Really well paced, but there's like kind of this idea of the gods being able to be enthralled to others, or uh, you mm-hmm. know, these gods like all fighting wars and fighting for things they believe in. And then there's also a plot from the show run of the magicians. It reminds me of, which again, highly recommend that of gods being in service to other gods or gods eating and killing other gods to like harness that power. And Mm. it makes me wonder if that's, 
that's a behind the scenes kind of a idea if there's anything similar that George is thinking. Yeah, I kind of wonder that I mean, George doesn't really go over any of these theological aspects that much, to be yeah. honest, which I kind of wish he did. But eh. he doesn't. And like, I know he says like that the that the gods don't exist at all, which is fine. I just kind of want some of the philosophy behind some yeah. religions. No, there's but a... I'm just a nerd. Oh, I know you are a little bit of a nerd. You you like history and shit too. You're such a little weirdo. Do but I? You're, well, sometimes you like the way it like is affected by culture and stuff. You're a little freak mm. about that. Yeah. I don't even know me. Me, you're a little freak. Anyways, go ahead. Um, no, but yeah, not even that so much. Right? Is just like we get the mythology of a lot of this stuff, like the Azora High yeah. story, the last hero, uh, all all these mythos and all these little. You know, the moon is egg. Moon is silver millennium. Stuff. I mean, that's where bunnies come from. Yeah, that's what I know. It, it it makes me feel like some of those mythos have more anchor to the real world, and some of those legends will be coming to life and playing out. So, mm. with the gods, maybe we'll get a bigger understanding of them. Yeah, yeah, and it's also it is a little interesting how like the drowned god and storm god like that dichotomy between them is a little kind of like the R'hllor great other dichotomy. Yeah, and ice and fire. Yeah. But I guess storm and sea? I don't know. It is interesting that like here, it's almost compared and presented by Makoro, right? That like the drowned god could be eaten by the other or eaten by R'hllor. That the drowned god is nothing is really what he almost is implying, I feel like. That he's like a secondary, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only two real players, though. That guy's just there. He's just a subsequent part of it all. And also, I I don't remember when. You and I have discussed this before in a previous POV about the idea of the the words, what is dead may never die. Like, if the drowned god is a thrall of the other, like, seems pretty interesting to really, like, play up the idea of, like, yeah, we should undead things. Yeah. It, it feels like a, uh, a tributary of the religion. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, or a thrall. We get some world building about how a century has passed since Dagon had sat the sea stone chair, the salt throne, but people still speak of him. Westeros had been ruled by a weak king, so Pike, Lord Dagon, tried to take the Sunset Sea, defeating the Lannisters and the Starks, but could not beat the dragons. Victarion would have the Dragon Queen, though, who would bear him sons. Anyways. He just does not care about the dragons. I just It's really, so fascinating. And he really thinks that betting Daenerys is going to happen slash that easily. That one gets me too, but... Yeah, I agree. He's just like so fixated on, I don't know, possessing women that he just mm -hmm. is like, who trophies. gives a shit about... Yeah, he, exactly. He's so fixated on the trophies as opposed to... The dragons, which is, again... Daenerys is his prey and his prize. Yes. Well, little does he know. People are prey for dragons. She's <laughs> no one's prize, yeah. Sorry, yeah. dragons eat squids day after day. I eat squids. <laughs> Me too, it's not that fucking big of a deal, now that you say it out loud, damn. Come yeah, on, move, Come on, move over, Victorian. <laughs> so... Anyway, they're now up to 60 ships, they're north of Yaros, close to Yunkai, and the coast between there and Marine will have tons of merchant and supply ships to raid. They sail to deeper waters until they can't see land, deciding not to let any ships escape to warn foes. 
we get a check-in on the color of the sea. It is green, so I'm sure Victorian's happy, and the sky is gray. And the sky is gray. And the sky is gray. Victorian went out to sea on this autumn's day. It's autumn now. (laughs) We should have written this before, yeah. We never do. We'll do all of all time. of these are freestyled. All of our great hits. All the hits. All the hits. All the hits. <laughs> now that's what I call Girls Gone Canon. <laughs> Volume one eighty nine. Actually, that's this is not a bad idea. Anyways, t-shirts. Uh, getting sued. Anyways, so I like the way so the chapter starts with the sea is black right then later on they say that the sea is blue here the sea is green and the sky is gray and and i like how george is using the color of the sea as a way to tell the reader that time is passing in this chapter right and and really showing not just that but also uh how they are traversing into different areas and it's really similar to how he uses the phases of the moon uh to show the passage of time in brand's chapters right it's less exact than having phases of the moon but it's a way that he he's showing and like moving that story forward and i think it's a just a really smart um device i really like that you pointed that out i was kind of paying attention to the sky color and i love and, and the watercolor right because especially since yeah. we pointed out how he hates the water if it doesn't look right so i've been paying well, it's attention looked wrong a lot it's looked real bad yeah because different means wrong if you go to the victorian Greyjoy school of hard knocks well i'm just like does this not mean storm but maybe maybe it doesn't you know i'm not a fucking sailor i don't know how to tell i don't know how to tell the weather that's I just opened sure. the little app grief warrior wench and iron victory capture a slaver galley just north of the yellow city and they find 20 perfumed boys and four score 80 girls who are going to be trafficked to pleasure houses of lease on this ship. The Willing Maiden. Victorian kills the slavers, frees the chained rowers so that they can row for him, and the girls are divided up amongst the captains because Victorian has now saved them from being sex slaves so that they can be salt lives. The boys are all thrown into the water with chains on. Victorian thinks they were unnatural creatures and the ship smelled better once cleansed of their presence. Victorian, as we've kind of talked about, can't deal with any sort of presentation of homosexuality or of his gender being altered in any way that he thinks societally normal to himself. And coming back to that first Victorian chapter, like, is it from his younger brothers being weaker targets that he feels so strongly about this? And because of Euron? Because uh, something within him, he's not quite drumming up, but he hates gay pretty boys which i they probably smell great victorian yeah and he only hates that the ones that are like the victims of it because he hates that they express as you said like what he perceives as femininity which is meant to be a role of submission as opposed to dominance like there's no problem with like the men who are raping the boys or anyone else like that's still an expression of masculinity to him which is very strange, very interesting, but maybe, maybe it's not necessarily strange. I think there are a, a, there are cultures that do perceive it that way in our own real world. Yes, and it actually, I, it's interesting that you thought it might be like born out of his childhood because for me, it actually made me think and kind of solidified for me that he doesn't know what happened to Aaron and to Yuri 
to Uragon because it makes me think that he might have actually, even though his his uh, brothers were would have been victims slash are victims, makes me think he would have rejected them for being assaulted in that way. Interesting. I'm still on the opposite side of that. If yeah. there's one thing we're not going to come to terms on, this entire Victorian POV. Interesting. <laughs> this is, I mean... I think it's good. It's good for us to have, you know, we're not spicy. codependent, yeah. you and I. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. We, I like to disagree with you. I feel like it, yeah, we, as you we said, healthily do so. So It keeps and, uh, things spicy for us in our relationship. <laughs> Victorian chooses for himself seven girls, all with different hair or eyes or something else, like nipple and clit piercings, because he, like George, is a boob man. Oh, no, he calls out one of the women has, like, really big boobs, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, he's a boob man. He's a titty guy. N no other guys exist in George's world. <laughs> no, there I'm serious. Are... No, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is ass erasure, but fine, George. Ass guy erasure. They're all trained in the way of the seven size, but he only wants the dusky woman until Daenerys. He thinks no man had need of candles when the sun awaited him. This is a horrible mangling of Loris's really nice line about Renly of like, you know, when the sun is set, no candle can replace it. But yeah, whatever, Victorian. I also kind of forgot that nipple and clit rings apparently exist in this world. Nipple rings make mm -hmm. sense. I guess clit rings do too. Very interesting. You know, re revisiting this idea that he only wants the dusky woman until Daenerys or until he like, gets a Daenerys. I thought that was really interesting that the only woman that he wants at the moment is one that was gifted, uh, even though that's horrible to say, to him by Euron uh, when, as he becomes more and more like Euron and gets closer to him. His gifts are poisoned. Yeah, that he doesn't seek other ones. I don't know. That he chose seven girls to sacrifice? Again, what god are you working with here, Victorian? Yeah! What, seven is a, isn't that, you know, a holy number because of the seven? And he doesn't even think about that, which is so fascinating. fascinating. You know, he just, were there only like very, seven very choice girls or something? I don't well, know. And this is moreover what I'm saying. I'm like, now you're just doing random shit for random gods and hoping something sticks. Like anyone can play roulette, but you're not going to win money that way. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, really horrible that I, the whole thing is horrible, right? Like that uh, he, he is killing like a lot of these men and these captains, but just the way that then, like, I mean, everyone that he captures is being objectified in a different way. It, it Like, it, as we t discuss in Meat House Man, right? The way that bodies are used, but... He's not freeing anyone, right? And he's acting like he yeah. is, but if you're not... If you're not bringing, like, equity to the table of how you're freeing people, and that some of them now get to be salt wives, and some of them have to row for the rest of their lives whenever you say so, and, and some of them have to die just because, just because, and this whole group of them have to die just because, like, what? that's not freedom, yeah. that's not liberty, that's no, not justice, none not. of that is, none of that is. No, and, like, if you cannot be, like, literally used by Victorianist crew whether that's as manual labor or as sexually then you are disposed of like these like the the perfumed boys right which is just so sad and then also here with the 
these women then are being used uh to for what for the gain of allegedly wins of wins yeah ah look under your chairs yeah he's just making shit up he is he yeah. is well he renames this galley slaver's scream which i don't know <sighs> i don't i don't know what to think about that maybe it'll impress his new girlfriend when he gets there right that's what he hopes, I guess. And then she's gonna be like, this is literally not what I meant. Like, this is so um, fucking insulting. I wonder if she... You know, I think that Daenerys, like, has this really clever way, but actually of, like, turning punishments on their head to some extent. I wonder if she would do that to Victoria and be like, oh, um, I've captured you, but I'm freeing you to do X thing, which would be, I think, really, really interesting. Oh, and command him. May as well. Yeah. She's very clever. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, will she even see him? That is also a good point. He might already be dead. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> now there are 61 ships. Counts going up, making them stronger. But the way forward will be harder and full of foes, like warships. He tells the Ironborn as they prepare to enter Meereen, there will be ships from the three slaver cities, like... Also, some of the ones that we don't know or haven't heard much of, like Tolos and Illyria, but y'all have heard of New Geese and Karth. He pointedly leaves out the green galleys of Old Volantis, though there might be some there. He says that the slavers are free and that every one of these ironborn is worth 20 slavers because they are made of iron. And he says, no mercy, make sure that they bleed, essentially. And then he takes the seven girls that he chose, kisses each of them on the cheek, and tells them about honor in words that they do not understand. And then he puts them on the fishing catch that they captured, drops it in the water, and sets the catch ablaze. He gifts them, in quotes, to both gods to either be reborn in light and thus made pure, which is like so fucked up. They didn't choose this life. Or they can, or he is like, you will be going to the watery halls to feast, dance, and laugh until the seas dry. Yeah, there's a quote. Near the end, before the smoking catch was swallowed by the sea, the cries of seven sweetlings changed to joyous song. Shrike action. It seemed to Victorian Greyjoy. Terrifying. Terrible. Yeah. It, it really does not do that, but like, oh my god. Bewildering. And I do think I do think it is a little interesting though that like Valorism and the Drowned God, like a lot of these religions, they very much seem inspired by Catholicism and Christianity just because George is imbuing so much of his own childhood and his own experiences with religion into these. I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's other parts of them that are reminiscent of like Zoroastrianism and maybe, I don't know, Norse myth Norse religions too, which do have like human sacrifice, but anyway, the with the Christian influence and stuff, I do think that the constant usage of human sacrifice Especially in, like, Relorism is, like, I don't know, it's interesting considering that there's this really, really, really big plot point in all three of the the most mainstream Abrahamic religions that human sacrifice is bad, actually. Uh, big plot point. Anyway, again, comes back to, like, that King Solomon losing his way to idolatry thing. You know, not to get Old Testament on your asses, you know, but that was a big thing. In the old, it was a big thing. It was a big thing. They were all about sending them down the river back then. Yeah, only kill lambs, not the people. (laughs) Not lambs of God, just lambs. Yeah, 
Except for that one time. Except for that one time. Never but again. But that was also technically God. So it wasn't like... In, that's only in one of the religions. And that was... Uh, God did it himself, so it wasn't as bad. What we're saying is... If you celebrate, I hope you had a happy Easter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Wait. It actually is that time, isn't it? A great wind comes that sails them north toward Marine. We have a very classic line. On wings of song, I fly to you, Daenerys, the Iron Captain thought. That was my best work yet. Thank you. Thank you. I think it was. It was. Uh, I've been preparing Bafta. for that one. BAFTA, wow. Wow. Look, I know we've covered this, but I just need to come back to this, that, like, he doesn't understand that taking slaves that are being trafficked and setting them on fire or drowning them is not freeing them. I know this is rhetorical, but what? Hmm. I was kind of reading the next chapter after this, which is the Arya chapter where she gets her first kill. Mm. And... She kind of argues with the kindly man, and there's something about how she was trying to act tough and trying to tell the kindly man what they want to hear and about giving someone the gift, and she gets it wrong, right? Uh, she talks about the person that she's supposed to give the gift, and she says, he must be full of fear. The gift will bring him peace. And he's like, the gift brings all men peace. And she's like, when I kill him, he'll look in my eyes and thank me. And the kindly man's like, no. You have it completely fucking wrong, child. Like, that is not it whatsoever. That's not what we do. The gift is not that. And Victorian's kind of similar here, right? Like, oh, they're going to look in my eyes and thank me for the freedom I'm delivering to them with my smoking mm. fist. But they will not. That is not what it's about, Victorian. Yeah. Literally, no one will thank you for any of the things that you have done here. Honestly, is Victorian going to get Jon Snowed? But, like, actually not just, like, in the... Like, is... With all of the blasphemies he's doing and all the slaves that he's now accrued, does he have a mutiny on his hands at some point? It's coming for him, I think. That could be the way he goes, and it would be very funny. Yeah, again, just like Jon Snow. Chloe's <laughs> shaking her head, like, why am I here? Every week, why am I here? So, that night... Victorian takes out the dragon horn that Euron found in the ruins of Valyria. It's a twisted, six foot long, shiny black and banded with like red <laughs> gold and dark Valyrian steel. It's someone should make this into a dildo. Strangely warm and smooth. It's someone should. They've got a lot of interesting Game of Thrones specifically themed dildos. Where is Dragonbinder? Yeah. Um Monero and AK are experts on this. Yes. Not, not, not like in use. Like they just have discussed these a lot. Um, uh, Self-heating dragon binder did dildo. You know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like it is right. Like it is a little foul because like the horn is warm and smooth, and reflects a a this, like warped Victorian back. Like that's how smooth it is. And the Valyrian glyphs are written in its bands, and much of it. And there's a lot written on it, including some of these words say, "I am dragon binder." So. Um, it speaks in first person. Victorian tells Makoro that he's only heard the horn ever once. When one of Euron's crew blew it, he was a large man with jewels and a hawk tattooed on his chest. And when he blew the horn, the sound that it made burned. And Victorian felt like his bones were on fire and his flesh was singeing. And then the glyphs glowed red and then white. 
on the bands and the sound felt endless and like a, like an endless scream but also it sounded like a thousand screams all in one which kind of makes me think of i don't know some song for leah shit but also some like uh full metal alchemist philosopher's stone shit too yeah it was giving me the ring from the lord of the ring vibes from the series the lord of the rings oh interesting tell me more about tell me more about it I'm actually like over halfway through the book now, the first one. So congratulations, Chloe. Woohoo. Congratulations, Chloe. Thank you. Uh, you know, the the ring, it, it makes me wonder, especially with what's to come with this and that shot of him seeing his reflection in it. You know, the ring is a powerful, mm. it has power. The ring of power. Yes. You know, the Lord of the yes. Ring of Power. Like the show that, that the books were based that on. That show. Oh my God. I never. <sighs> We could have been making it for such a long time, that that joke. Yeah, it, uh, you know, like Frodo, when he handles the ring, or Bilbo, it it possesses you. It takes over. So it makes me wonder if this horn is going to really take over in Tiwau for Victorian, right? Like, if this is going to drive him, if the, um, the sweet siren lure of Dragonbinder is going to take over his every waking thought and if it will ruin him. That's interesting because, like, Victorian also is not a Frodo figure, right? What if he... So we had that tweet earlier that Lycan and compared Victorian and Theon, mm-hmm. but what if, because like Theon's transformation is kind of, you know, a little inspired by Gollum, yes. but what if, what if that becomes Victorian's storyline? He's like, becomes mm-hmm. this Gollum-esque figure. Because he's like seeking power. I mean, he's seeking yeah. the ring of power here. That's true. Yeah, he yeah. wants magic. He's like, oh, this, this could make me powerful if I do it. And we learn, so we learn the hornblower dies, blisters on his lips and on his bird yeah. tattoo, every feather drips blood, and his insides, but maybe that was part, that part was a rumor, and Makoro was like, no, no, that, that was true, that's true. He translates some more <laughs> of the writing for Victorian, no mortal man shall sound me and live. Do you hmm. think, and maybe this comes to the idea of like Magor, right? We've likened it a bit to the idea of maybe he got Magord, he went in the tower, he came out dead and alive you know who knows maybe heart stopped for a minute makoro was like magic here you are but could he survive blowing that horn you know does that make him different and special isn't he already different and special well Um, okay and okay i want to have that with a counterpoint immediately counterpoint will he think he will live because of his hand and because of that blood magic that was done and then die hysterically I'm just saying that he's the chosen one. That's why all the waves are for him, and that's what makes him different and special. Um, he's according to Victorian. But anyway, uh, no, I I agree. Like it can go one of. I mean, it can go either one of those ways. I I wonder though that he listens to Makoro on everything so far, so he still might not blow it. But at the same time, like you said, right? Did he get Magord or like, you know, again that that theory that Brendan Beefish had of like, yeah. Was he resurrected? As you said, Magord. And yeah, it, but it does make me really think, though, could someone who was resurrected do it? Like like Undead John or Makoro yeah. or, or, you know, but it also, like, the way it's written, speaking of Lord of the Rings, right, is it some sort of, like, Eowyn twist thing? But at the same time, if it's written in Valyrian of, like, no mortal man shall sound me and live. I don't remember, like, how David Peterson interpreted, like, 
would have interpreted this in uh, the way that he's built out the Valyrian language. But of course, as we know, Darilaros, heir, is a gender neutral mm-hmm. like term. Oh, interesting. I don't yeah. know. I That's don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. Put that on your list so of David like, Peterson questions. I mean, I think I could look it up probably. Probably. But, or I could ask. I don't know. Who knows? And there is something interesting in that, you know, Quaithe, whether she does or does not tell Danny this, we hear her tell Danny this one way or another. So even if it's yeah. in his mind, who knows what's going on in the mind palace. I agree. But all I know is the information I've been presented in A Dance with Dragons, and that is that Quaithe says the following thing to Danny. She says that soon comes the pale mare, after her the others. Mm. Kraken and Dark Flame. We're on a boat with them right now, right? Lion and Griffin. They're on another boat. Not too far off, honestly, but they're on another boat. But going further away. Yeah, a little further. <laughs> going further. They're going the opposite direction. <laughs> sun, Sun, and the Mummer's Dragon. And then, remember the Undying, Beware the Perfume Seneschal. So. The sun sun has died, right? She tells her, don't Rip. trust any of them. The sun sun has died. Is there a pattern in that the kraken will die? Mm, probably. And all on his own, just like the sun sun does? That is interesting if all of the, the ones that Quaith said are coming, like, die. Yeah, and I don't think it's all yeah. of them, right? Like, maybe Makoro will last for a while and get out of there. The lion is Tyrion. I don't think he's going to die. That's just personally. Uh, but Griffin yeah, will, right? Like true. Lord Connington will die. Yeah. One one out of every pair one out of every pairing will die. Like in this one it'll be the Kraken. The other one it's the Sun's Sun. In the other it's like well, John Connington's probably gonna die and so will Aegon, so never mind. I don't know. Whatever. And the perfume Seneschal, if you think it's Varus, I mean he's probably dying at some point. Uh the undying. They gotta die, because you gotta kill them. The undying are dying. <laughs> I mean, actually, though, they are, uh, but... Didn't they say, isn't part of the prophecy, like, defeating death, too, or something? Yeah, exactly. Vanquisher of death. Ah. Uh, Destroyer inter- of death. Interesting. Lots of thoughts. Yeah, I do think Makoro is, like... I mean, he's just hitchhiking. He's just hitching a ride to get to Daenerys. Like, I do think he's gonna support her. Maybe... You know, he gets there and finishes his mission, right? And maybe that's the difference. Like, uh, Victorian, you know, gets there and won't complete his mission and dies. Quentin obviously got there, couldn't complete his mission, died in his mission. So maybe that's more over it. Maybe Makoro will complete his mission and then die. <laughs> yeah. Because his mission is get to Danny. Or, no, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, I think Makoro's already d- died before. You know, he's... yeah. I think Maybe. one of those, like, resurrected, as we see, like, a lot of the Red pri- Well, we don't know that the Red Priests are, but a lot of people think Melisandre's one of those, and, I mean, probably. Let's end with the horn once more. Bitterly, Victorian brooded on the treachery of brothers. Euron's gifts always poisoned. The crow's eye swore this horn would bind dragons to my will. But how will that serve me if the price is death? Your brother did not sound the horn himself, nor must you. Makoro pointed to the band of steel. Here, blood for fire, fire for blood. Who blows the hellhorn matters not. The dragons will come to the horn's master. You must claim the horn with blood. Ooh, ooh, scene. Wow. 
what could it what does it mean eliana what do you what what could it mean no literally what is it i i do not know what it means because we do not have the winds of winter (laughs) well i will say that the language on the horn is very danny right blood for blood fire and blood bride of fire daughter of three and Yes. It's almost reminiscent of Azora High and Nisa Nisa language, like speaking of sacrifice. And to throw in on that, you know, we kind of somewhat know that Valyrian steel likely requires some sort of blood sacrifice, right? So it reminded me a little bit of that in a way, of like the idea of like it's spell forged with dark magic. And a lot of dark magic generally needs blood for the blood gods, right? Yeah. I mean... It seems similar with what they're asking here. It's dark magic, right? To make that bond, to do that dark magic, you need blood. You need a sacrifice for it. Uh, How does it work? I want to know. Right, like in some shows, you'd what, like take a blade, cut your hand, and like smear it on a fucking magic rock, right? But this is not, I don't know that this is so, so simple. It just doesn't seem good enough, you know? Or like, what if like blood is, you know, Okay, what if this is fucked up? What if it's Aaron, right? Because he keeps they kept saying like we're both Balin's blood. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I don't know, like some family member uh, because like Stannis, I don't know. right? With Edric, and then maybe with Shireen, like that he realizes what blood is more powerful. Yeah. And- but like. When it's your own family, I guess, because that's what... Because you were talking about the Nisa Nisa thing. Um, I don't know. Do you think he'll kill the Dusky Woman for it? And then it won't work? Thinking, like, he has uh, to get rid of her before Daenerys instead? Maybe, but it's just, like, it, I don't know. I don't know if, like, that know. makes me sad, but... I know. Me too. She, I don't know that she makes it out e- either, but also I don't think Victorian makes it out, so... Yeah, I, I worry that a lot of people on this boat maybe will die <laughs> on all 61 of the boats and i don't know if we'll have 61 you know to deal with yeah they'll go down well maybe if he had 69 boats i would have a little more faith in him but he doesn't there's something really interesting of daenerys coming back with part of the iron fleet but no ironborn leading it and mm. how that could be looked at by Westeros. If she lands in Westeros with the Iron Fleet, but there is no Greyjoy captain on the Iron Fleet. Especially or because like now the, yeah. all these boats are full of slaves and concubines. Exactly. So she will be freeing exactly. them from the Greyjoys. Yeah, each of them like a little mini Astapor, a little like mini Yunkai and Marine, because it's just like... Yeah, not just like no Ironborn captain, no no Victorian, but like literally no Ironborn. Yeah, they're all they'll all be gone. To your point of like, will they desert him? I was really feeling it last chapter when we brought up some of the Makoro stuff. Like they really are hating the way things are going. It would be interesting if his men all died and deserted. Yeah, or like I mean, would they defect? I don't think they would defect to Daenerys. Is the thing like? Yeah. Which is fascinating because the Dothraki are also a very, a very highly patriarchal society, right? To the point that, like, if your husband dies, you're going to get, like, I don't know, shunted off to the retirement home. Yeah. And, yeah, and, the, like, you know, same as same as with um, Ironborn, this, like, polygamy, but mostly, like, bigamy thing. So, I don't know, like, why do we think that... Because the Dothraki we see follow strength. The Ironborn, they just follow masculinity. 
Some might like to follow no fire. You know what? It's not a bad idea. <sighs> they might be like, please don't roast me alive, ma'am. Mrs. Dragon, ma'am. Yeah. I'd be remiss if I don't mention it. Uh, there are other people that have done some great write-ups on it. But when Fire and Blood came out, there is the epic part of Fire and Blood where Arya Targaryen goes on a little road trip with Balerion and she comes back. She's got worms. All right. She's got <laughs> tiny little worms and they don't deworm her in time. And she kind of gets all charred up inside. You know, she dies. It's not really good. It's really pretty disgusting and fucked up and nothing like they've seen before. And it's really not dissimilar from Cragorn, the guy who blew the horn. When he's cut open, his lungs are black and charred, uh, which isn't unlike kind of what Arya is described as. And Vic's arm isn't dissimilar either with some of the, the lore magic that's gone on on it. Uh, I want to read this little, this cute little bit here. As we talk about, you know, that language of the horn, and we've been getting into the destruction of Valyria lately, a lot of this all seems wrapped up similarly with these some of these themes and some of the language used. So in Fire and Blood, all the maester's arts were powerless against her fever, if indeed we can call such a horror by such a commonplace name. The simplest way to say it is that the poor child was cooking from within. Her flesh grew darker and darker and then began to crack until her skin resembled nothing so much, seven save me, as pork cracklings. Thin tendrils of smoke <gasps> issued from her mouth, her nose, even, most obscenely, from her nether lips. Ew. By then she had ceased to speak, though the things within her continued to move. Her very eyes cooked within her skull and finally burst like two eggs left in a pot of boiling water for too long. Okay, now that you've read that, everybody, and you've heard that, you're probably feeling a little grossed out. I'm real sorry. You know, I didn't write it, so get over it. Victarion's own arm is compared very similarly to this. The arm the priest had healed was hideous to look upon, pork crackling from elbow to fingertips. Sometimes, when Victarion closed his hand, the skin would split and smoke, yet the arm was stronger than it had ever been. Ticharones. <laughs> Sounds so good. Stop. Sounds delicious. George, you gotta quit describing these like this. But it stands to reason, like, why did he describe both as pork cracklings, right? Like, something's very similar there. It fits in really well with all the exposition we're getting on the Doom of Valyria in the last chapter, and bravo to George not just on that, but the other travelogues in Dance, right? Tyrion, Victarion, Quentin, all of these places as they travel east are painted really well, and some of that history starts to get hammered home for us. In fact, I think I understand dance enjoyers now. I like dance, but I'm a feast enjoyer, personally. And honestly, this slow read of Victorian's chapters helps me to kind of understand that there's something structurally really nice in the magic for dance versus the political exposition given for feast. I feel like feast has really strong political themes, and dance has them too, but also has really strong magic themes on top of that. And if you marry them, you get one whole book, obviously, once upon a time. But they really tell that story of what we should be expecting in The Winds of Winter, you know? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great contrast. Yes, Feast is the political stuff, which I think is part of what you and I love about it. But yeah, as Aziz pointed out last, last episode of how around this time in the books, you start getting a lot of that really dark stuff, that dark magic coming through. And... Yeah, there's something there. There's something there with the whatever's going on with Arya, Arya, 
Yeah, I meant area. Targaryen, sorry y'all, and Victorian. Yeah, something about their little wormy arms. Yeah, I, it's like, is there a worm? But we, because, and we know that they like did like Chimera kind of stuff in Old Valyria. Mm-hmm. So like did Rolorian, yeah, keep any of that. Well, and that means that Dragonbinder has that spell, possibly a Valyrian spell upon Ooh. it is what I'm thinking. You know, if this is all described in similar language, what happened to him? What happened to Victorian's arm? What happened to area once they had some sort of you know uh interaction with valyria whether through magic yeah. or through physical hmm. Hmm. <laughs> very interesting it's weird you don't expect that victorian chapters are going to give you such an introspective look into magic but they actually harbor ha, yeah ha, they harbor ah. <laughs> a lot of uh. magic in them a ton of magic every single chapter there's just sprinklings of it it's amazing yeah and you know what? It's a perfect, again, it's a perfect way to lead us into, I mean, I guess the Aaron chapters, you don't see it, but like <laughs> the Forsaken, right? Um, it's it's a great lead into our next POV. I am so excited for you all to come along with us to Aaron Greyjoy. I know it's a quick hop over and it'll, uh, it'll be pretty quick, you know, still buckle your seatbelt and all, but just be ready to get out of the car. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> yes <laughs> yes absolutely tba on the release of that aaron one episode the prophet but if you want to see you know whenever we prophesize it'll come out be sure to follow us on social media at girls gone canon that's c-a-n-o-n over on twitter and of course maybe you have thoughts for us you can send us an email at girls gone canon at gmail.com we are accepting succession submissions <laughs> chloe deserves emails too wow chloe deserves emails <sighs> Wow. It's the final season, y'all. Oh, I thought you were about to start busting on the... Make sure that you are subscribed to us where you can hear acapella covers like this. And more. And more. Even made-up songs. Wow. Uh, you could subscribe to us on a podcast platform that is your favorite to listen on, whether that is Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon, Pandora, you name it. We're on a bunch of them. Just give it a Google. Yes. And of course, somewhere that you can definitely always find us is on patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we have bonus episodes for patrons in the $5 tier and above, the stranger tier and above. And again, you want more Victorian? You got it. One more for you if you subscribe to us on Patreon. Yeah, you'll have that in your feed by the end of the month, patrons in that stranger tier and above. And that's not the only perk that patrons can get. There are a handful of other perks. And if you sign up for the thunder tier and above, you'll get access to our private Discord server, where it's kind of like lifetime access because you really got to mess up to get banned. I know this because I'm still allowed there. Anyways, we also do monthly events like our Discord happy hour slash brunch. This month's is still TBA, but keep your ears and eyes peeled on the Patreon feed and you'll find out when, where, how. And, you know, there's other stuff always happening on the Discord, so keep your eyes peeled. I know for you Star Wars fans, there were some uh, some little live action things going on from our patron Brandolin and Pete. They were covering some of the stuff they learned from Star Wars Celebration about the new shows recently, so if you're into that kind of stuff and rewatches of different media, come through. Wow. 
as always, that's it. We're pulling our anchors up. Oh, you know, sailing anchors away. away, sailing away. Come sail away, come sail come away sail with away. us. <sighs> well, oh yeah, because Sailor Moon. I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. Oh my mm, god, I got it. I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back with Aaron. Bye. Bye.